the careers podcast with the information you need to take the next step Hello from LMI UK and the one podcast that actually gets under the skin of a different career in each episode and this time blowing some myths out of the water and that there is way more than you think to accountancy Nick. Yeah absolutely we've been wanting to get uh, accountancy profiled on the podcast for some time and we've got an excellent interview with Joe from Clive Owen LLP, which is a, a firm we know. They're a fantastic firm in the northeast of England, uh, really invest in people. Uh, and so, yeah, delighted that they've uh, been able to participate in this episode of the podcast. Yeah, I, some really, really uh, excellent and, and insightful points raised here, which you're just about to get. And Joe, I think there's, there's a little bit, I'm, I'm not going to say where exactly it sits in the conversation, but it may ruffle a few careers feathers with what he has to say about plans. Oh, he's pricked up at that, didn't he, when he <laughs> said, you know, Plans, you know, can be a bit overrated. So we'll, we'll certainly uh, have a conversation about that afterwards. Yeah, let's bring on Joe. Inside View. So my name's Joe Virasanso. I'm a Grants and Transaction Services Senior Executive at Clive Owen LLP. We're a regional accountancy practice based in the northeast of England with a head office in Darlington, which is where I work out of. And we have other offices in Middlesbrough, Durham, and York. It does all the sort of normal stuff you'd expect from an accounting firm, audit, tax, etc., etc. But the USP for my team and part of the USP is for, for the firm as a whole is that we do grants. And you might think initially, what does that mean? <laughs> How does an accounting firm do grants? And we're a team of accountants who specialize in writing grant applications for regional firms, for national applications. Um, and the sort of real difference that we make is doing things like forecasting and making sure that all the finances are in order on the grant application. And we also do what's called due diligence. So we can do grant due diligence. When other firms get grants, we have a look at what they've put in their grant application to make sure it's all au fait. And we also do financial due diligence, which is part of the transaction services bit of my title. And that is when you've got things like M&A or companies disposing of parts of their firms or you're doing management buyouts. Um, the acquiring firm will hire a transaction services team to go in and have a real good look at the firm because when it's being sold, like with everything, you're doing a big sales pitch, you're putting forward all these fancy forecasts and transaction services, we go in to check that that's right. It's not quite an audit, but it's sort of checking that the story they're selling is reflected in what's actually going on. So what about the the shape of the uh, career's pathway into this, Joe, for you? What was your route in? So it's pretty odd. Um, it's quite unusual. I initially, when I went to uni, I studied politics and philosophy. Nothing to do with accounting whatsoever. Um, and I thought at that time I'd probably consider doing something political, maybe working in political risk analysis or going and working for an MP or going into the civil service. Um, but you sort of realize after a time, I kind of don't want to do that. That That isn't what appealed to me. So I thought, oh, possibly I'll move into academia. Or I'll do a PhD or something. So you start down that line, I do a master's in research methods. Again, nothing to do with accounting. And I think actually, no, I, I don't want to do 
I don't want to do a PhD. I don't want to become an academic. So by this point, I'm sort of reaching the end of my formal education. I'm thinking, what on earth am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I haven't got a job lined up and I'm finishing off this master's. I don't want to do a PhD. So what, what, what do I do? So I sort of cast around for jobs and apply for a few on a whim. And I end up moving and working in business development for a charity. And again, still nothing to do with accounting. <laughs> and so at that point, I'm thinking, okay, I'm enjoying what I'm doing here. I'm going out, I'm meeting people, prospective funders. I'm writing grant applications. That's where the grants part of it kind of started off. Um, and I'm enjoying that. But what I realized is at that point, when we were putting together the grant applications for the charity, I was writing budgets with it. And I really, really enjoyed working with spreadsheets. I really enjoyed putting together budgets, getting right down to the secrecy of the numbers and fleshing it all out. And by the end of my work in that business development team within the charity, I was sort of constructing the budgets and making cost cards, basically, and uh, for the entire charity's sort of funding portfolio. So at that point, I had very much transitioned to doing accounting-adjacent work. And this was noticed in the charity. I sort of said I wanted to move to do something more accounting-focused, wanted to do more spreadsheets. So... I moved to a more internally facing position um, and that did involve a lot more accounting, but I realized then, hey, wait, I miss all the business development stuff I was doing. I really liked going out and meeting people. I quite enjoyed being on the road. We'd have an annual conference where I'd go and speak to some of our big funders, which it was an energy sector charity. They could be amongst some of the biggest energy companies in the UK, or it could be um, sort of the gas and electricity network operators. So all of these big firms wanting to give us money and talking to them and persuading them, being in front of them, networking, I really enjoyed that and I missed it when I was just focused internally. So I thought, well, now I've got to change again. <laughs> I've got to find something that takes what I like about accounting, what I like about budgeting and forecasting and working with numbers, but which also lets me go out and meet clients, lets me go out and network and lets me do that people-focused element of it. So I thought, I'm that rare thing. I'm an extroverted accountant. <laughs> and... I've got to find some way of making that so, a, a, a career I can enjoy. So I look at this role and I apply. I get an interview. I get an offer. I start just over a year ago in January 24, and I've not looked back. It is exactly that combination I was looking for. Yeah, I, th I think we should really grasp the nettle now that you've mentioned the interview specifically, Joe. Uh -huh. Have you got any golden tips for the interviewer, be that somebody that wants to be in your sector to do your job, or just a kind of uh, general uh, sweeping tips for you know being good, for being effective in that scenario? That's a good question. Um, I think more widely, thinking back to the path I've had, where it's been, I've enjoyed a little bit of this, I've enjoyed a little bit of that, but right at the start, as I say, I did different things with a view to doing something in the future that then it turned out I didn't actually end up doing. And it's not like looking back, I've still not got an interest in politics. I still, you know, enjoy that level, that side of things. And there is quite an element of that in the grants work we do, but it's about being adaptable, I think. So I think it's very easy to say, oh, I've got a 10 year plan. I've got a 15 year plan. I've got a five year plan and I have to stick to it. Irrespective, plans are overrated, overrated. Are you enjoying what you're doing now? Is there something you've missed 
that you were doing in a previous role that you want to do more of and finding out what you like, synthesizing it instead of thinking, I have to plug away at this because it's what I'm, I want to do for my five-year plan. You've got to be reassessing that. You've got to be thinking what's going to change. So in the first instance, make sure the job you're applying for is something that you will actually enjoy. And you, you can't really know that until you're in the job. But just make sure that you're not doing it just because you think, oh, I want to be a partner in 20 years because they make a lot of money and it's, you know, it's a lucrative life. Do you enjoy doing accounting? Because that's what you're going to be doing for the 20 years in between. If you don't enjoy it, but you still stick at it, you're not going to be happy. Mm. Uh, yeah, And it sounds like you're a great advocate, Joe, for self-reflection and, and being honest with yourself. Yeah. It's experimental, I think. Mm. You know, that adaptability is try something. You like it, stick with it, see what more you can do with it. You don't like it, stop it. Mm. Don't do more of it. Mm. You know, um, you've got to be experimenting. You can't just think, oh, I've thought of this grand theoretical scheme for my, my plan that I'm just going to go ahead with. It's about picking and finding out what you like. You won't know it until you enter the workforce. You won't know it until you're actually in a job. And it's about being brave enough to try mm. different things. As I said, I realized I liked being people focused, but I also liked doing accounting. So it took me two different jobs at, at the same firm to realize I liked both of those things, not them individually. I mean, I, I guess I do like them individually, but it's more my favorite thing was doing them together. So then I found a role where I can do them together. And it's now, now I'm here and I'm thinking I'm really enjoying myself, but what else am I interested in to look at doing in the future? It's, I guess you could almost call it a growth mindset. That adaptability is key is mm. it's experimenting with, with things that you, you do and don't enjoy in different jobs you'll have in different roles you have, and then thinking, how can I take this on to the next thing? And what about the things or a thing that you have brought to the job that you feel has been a, a revelation I either didn't know this about myself or yeah. wow you know this is this is a strength I've, I've discovered here that's a really good question my path into accounting has not been just doing an accounting training ship and doing your sort of basic kind of accounting treatments that you would do I started off doing budgeting which was very much project focused in my old job and then have moved here where a lot of what we do is forecasting but actually getting into the day-to-day -day of doing accounting and looking at your three financial statements, your debits and credits and that. I, when I was studying my qualification, I was doing these sort of quite technical financial accounting things that, that didn't have any, much relation to my job, my old job. So moving into that and realizing that that's something I've studied, but putting it into practice and realizing that I enjoy that aspect of accounting too. Whereas before I would have thought of it as a bit dry, a bit, a bit more just Oh, that's quite traditional accounting. It's not really, it's something I understand, but it's not something I enjoy. Actually, no, I do enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot and I understand how that relates to doing the kinds of forecasting and budgeting and costing that, that I like that's more what you call management accounting. There's often, there's frequently this perception that accountants, I mean, you use the word dry, but I think you know, in terms of professional services, people will probably think it's something that sits there in almost like a silo, which actually couldn't be further from the truth. I was looking at some research that shows accountancy can really help with the entrepreneurial spirit that a number of accountants go on to open their own firm and businesses, sometimes not directly related. So there are really useful insights and experiences here, aren't there, Joe, in doing this job? Absolutely. So one thing that attracted me to this role moving away from the charitable sector was that interest in businesses, in how they 
look at markets, look at customers, look at what they're selling and, and how entrepreneurs find that space to do something different. And accounting, I think it can be very technical and very dry, but also fundamentally, if you know how to read an income statement and a balance sheet, you are looking at the story of a business in numbers. And it's for a lot, in a lot of ways, it's the only story that matters. If you can understand and read what it's saying, and I think this is why it's key for, for business people of any level to have some knowledge of that. And I think that's why accountants can often do well in business, irrespective of what that business does and their role within that business is because they know how to understand the numbers. And when I say understand the numbers, understand the story the numbers are telling you, that narrative that the numbers create. You know, when you see business leaders doing presentations, maybe their annual general meetings, they are talking through the financial results and the best ones do it by telling a story, which is A, what the results have, have indicated has actually happened, you know, and B, using the numbers to illustrate what the company has done. You know, it's tying the two together. And I think the best leaders have a good grasp of both. But yeah, accountancy at its best, I think, is is the story of your business. And if we extend that idea that, you know, accountancy doesn't just sit there as, a, as an island, if you like, that you're right. not doing this work in isolation, for those considering the career uh, of accountancy, yep. I mean, Clive Owen is a member of Creston, isn't it? Which means, you know, you're, you're sharing wisdom. Yes. Yeah, so um, in a couple of weeks, a lot of partners are off to the Creston annual conference and we do a lot of work with different Creston firms in different ways sharing across the network, which is, you know, each firm retains its identity, but but we do have that capacity for for sharing that ability to share across the network. I think in terms of trainees and people going into it, I think the best I can speak to is that as somebody who's had an unconventional path into accountancy, there's a lot more to it than just thinking, oh, well, I don't really know what to do, but it seems relatively interesting. I, I quite like maths or I, I quite like business. And it's that sort of okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do accountancy. It, it's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be really exciting. It can be, there's so much to it. That's the thing. There's so many different niches. If you want to be more externally focused, if you're an extrovert and you like being out there, you don't have to not think of accountancy as just being internal, as just being sort of a kind of boring department. It's, you could work in corporate finance, you know, doing deals. We're corporate finance adjacent in grants. We're always out of clients. I'm going out to see a client this afternoon. Whilst the traditional training routes are there and they take a few years to go through sort of the basics and you will work in an accounting department and you'll just be putting um, statements together and doing some audit and so on. After that, with your accounting qualification in hand, the world is your oyster. It really is. You can move into industry and do all sorts of different things. You could move into advisory work like I do and be people focused. You could move into things like business development or on the commercial side in a, in a business, really understanding the numbers that drive sales and prices. You know, accounting in many ways is such a broad concept, but I'd like to think of it as a very practical form of like economics in a way, yeah. uh, like business economics. So how a business relates to its markets, its customers, its costs, its prices, all of that is told through accounting. So it's, if you like business and you like commerce and so on, accounting is an excellent place to start. I can't speak to traditional training paths because I haven't had one, but for people who, who are maybe like I was in a slightly different job, you know, a very, still very early career, but had started work and hadn't thought about accounting, you can move, you know, most accounting qualifications, the one I did SEMA, it's very flexible. Even, you know, moving to an accounting firm after having a few years of work experience to be a trainee, firms are open to that. They're open to other experiences and other skills, especially those, you know, soft skills, those client focused skills, 
really important. They take a lot longer to develop than just doing your three-year accounting course. There is, of course, this very innate human desire for us to kind of have an, an idea, um, if not specifically, about the way you know our chosen career is likely to go, particularly the, the ways of doing things, the ways of working, and, and the impact that stuff like tech has. AI in particular, I think that there isn't a sector, well, it's hard to think of one that hasn't been talking about how AI may well impact on it. Um, how, how is it looking with accountancy, Joe? It's interesting. Um, I'm broadly of the view that core accountancy, much like we've seen AI take over, or not take over, but really make strides in terms of doing written pieces, accountancy will very much be coming up next. And then you have to think about if it's taking over a lot of the functions, a lot of accountancy is working with data sets and numbers in a quite a repetitive way. It can be. That can be boring. <laughs> it's You have to do it. You have to do that grind to get the, the results at the end that you need to find and discuss. But if AI can take that away, what you are left with is the more interesting stuff. So what I was talking about with accounting being the narrative of a business, the story of a business, is that AI can do the hard work in many ways, the long yards of putting the numbers into an interesting format, then you become really the pure author of that narrative. You are thinking, how do I change the story of my business? But how do I tell the story of my business mm. using the numbers the AI has given me? And I think that communication element of it, it's going to become much more to the fore in accounting. It's, it's going to become maybe not the key skill, but it's there. It's always there in any kind of accounting you do, um, whether you're in industry, whether you're in practice, whether you're in advisory work, whether you're in audit or tax. But I think it's going to become more and more important as just doing some of the, the basic numbers work gets automated. I think it, it will be disruptive. Absolutely. It will be very disruptive. You know, it will be challenging for the profession to stay nimble. But personally, very much open to it open-minded about what it can do. Um, I'm excited to see how it can change the way I work in a variety of different ways. I know that um, Microsoft are rolling out a load of things across their programs and like everybody, we, we use their suite of tools, Office 365, Word, Excel, Accountants and Excel, you know, sort of hand in hand. The way that that could revolutionize the work we do, in the end, what it should do is make things more efficient. Fundamentally, it should make things, but hopefully, what that means is it makes your work more interesting. It makes your work more enjoyable. And it makes your work it makes you able to better focus on those things that AI can't do. The both professional and uh, personal fulfillment, Joe, and, and that feeling that, you know, it's been a really great productive day, uh, a feeling that AI, well, certainly yet, can't replicate for itself. But, you know, that very human thing, what, when it comes to, to going home, do you think, yeah, today really was a, a, a good day. What are the components of that? I like being out and about and I like meeting mm. clients. I like networking. I like going to events. So having an event in a day, it's it's time consuming. You can't deny that. If you've got a lot of other stuff on thinking, oh, I've got to go to this event. So it can be hard to see the value from that. There is value, but it's it's quite intangible. Definitely. A lot of it is is can be chance, but a lot of it is also necessary. Um, you know, what I'm striking at the difference here is if you're at a networking event, there's a good chance you'll meet someone who will have an interesting proposition, a good idea, or an, a genuine actual business proposal, or vice versa, you've got one for them. Or you have client meetings where you're going out to see a client you're already working with, and you can really flesh out and get through a lot of work and clear up and get through knots. And so that's a problem-solving thing. And the first one's more of like a opportunity creation thing. But it's all meeting people, and I like that. 
in terms of sitting down with a laptop and just cracking on with a load of work, again, there's a lot of problem solving you have to do. That can be knotty. Um, you know, some of the, the forecasting that we have to do for our grant applications can be quite tricky, especially if it's a business that's looking for a grant, but also has a lot of other stuff going on. Maybe they're disposing of a part of the business at the same time, or they're looking to try and secure some some debt or equity funding to come in as well. Um, or they've got a complex group structure that we have to operate with. That can be quite tricky to fit into a spreadsheet. And I think the concept of like flow, where you feel like you're really in the work and you just, you look up and you spend three hours and you don't, and you don't know what you can see, what you've done in terms of the output, mm-hmm. but you just, you've been so in that moment that it's just disappeared. That's really nice, especially when you produce something at the end that you think that was actually really worth the time. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've sat down for three hours. I don't know what I've done, but <laughs> Well, I don't know what I've spent the time doing, but I know at the end what I've produced is is the forecast I was after at the start of the day. Whereas sometimes you can be very almost self-conscious of your work and yourself working and you're like, this is just a drag. Oh, there's one problem after another. Oh, this is just, and it can be a bit of a slog to get through. That can still be rewarding if you get to the end of the day and you've actually made it through. But yeah, definitely that, that flow feeling. I don't know about you, but that can be really yeah. nice. And I don't get it more so than when I'm doing forecasting work and I'm just... I've got a spreadsheet. I'm inputting the numbers. I'm seeing them all flow through. Other accountants who are listening will understand this. The way you can sort of hit a button and everything just strikes right across and you've suddenly produced your forecast across your three statements, your income, mm. your balance sheet, and your cash flow for what, four years. And you think, wow, well done, Joe. Yeah. Nice bit of work. Yeah, exactly. And I hope you say that to yourself. A good... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A good you've got to be your own biggest cheerleader. <laughs> That's it, right. Let's let's return you to 17-year-old you. What would you have liked to have known about this career at that point? The first thing I'd say is is definitely, I mean, at that point, I was on the verge of going to uni, and I had a great time at uni. And as I say, I did politics and philosophy. I think I would just say to myself, you do plenty well to to develop a lot of the soft skills and the communication skills that, that you can then carry through into your, your career is across all your jobs, really is carried across all of them. And they are the ultimate transferable skills, I think. But but maybe think a bit more about what else you might enjoy about the working world and, and just have a sit down and think about it. Because at that point, it was very much, oh, I'll, f- I'll fall into a career of some kind, politics related or whatever. And, I, and going to uni is, is very different to doing work in, in, in the real world. It's, it's very hard work, but mm. you don't sit and write essays all day. I certainly have never sat down and written as much as I wrote at uni. I'm not doing you know, referencing for a load of books or, or old things, um, old articles and so on. It's it's very different. So think about what you actually might enjoy doing afterwards. Do things like try and pick up some work experience. Definitely, I would have said to myself, try and pick up some work experience where you can actually try a couple of different jobs over, mm. you know, a month or two in summer and so on. I went to Union London, so it's there was no daft of opportunities. And to see what you do and don't like, you know, see if you enjoy doing that client stuff. See if you enjoy doing the sort of spreadsheet work. See if you do just enjoy sitting down and writing. Maybe maybe I would have found out I'd actually just enjoy sit, sit down and writing reams and reams of essays. Also, I would have said to myself, like I said right back at the start, is just have that adaptability. Just be open to different experiences and just experimenting, trying different things and seeing what works, what doesn't work, what you do like, what you don't like. See what you like in that moment. Think about it, make a note of it, and then try and make sure you're fitting that into a job in the future. Don't worry too much about what you're doing in 10 years, 20 years. You know, that'll come in time. If you are enjoying what you're doing and you keep finding what you enjoy you're doing and doing more of it and you're open to finding new things you will enjoy, ultimately you'll have a career you like. It will take you in different directions, but at each moment you'll be enjoying yourself. Skill set. 
interesting in it that there's um, a point in there that Joe makes that it might be possible to see as contentious. He he, he reinforces what, for, for me, and I know for you, is the classic making of a champion point of do what you love, but equally says don't be too rigid around plans. Yes, yeah, no, plans can be overrated, I think, was what he said. <laughs> and, and, and know exactly what you mean. It, it's a it's an interesting one because we, we do uh, spend a lot of time helping people to uh, be good at planning. And so planning your day, thinking about your your week, the, the jobs that you've got to do, planning your studies uh, and, and your future career, uh, planning the future is is a really, really valuable thing to be able to do and know how to do well. And, and hence, we ask those questions like recognize the things that you love doing, which Joe is, is, is so articulate in helping to kind of flesh that out. How do you recognize the things that you enjoy and how can you start to mesh some of those things together to, to develop your career in the way you want it to be, as well as the stuff that you're good at and the stuff that you, you're really passionate about, the things that you really care for. Plans can, they can get in the way. They can stop you being uh, flexible, adaptable, stop you recognizing when actually this isn't quite fitting. You know, so Joe's plan wasn't to be an accountant. So Joe didn't study uh, accountancy or finance. He studied politics and philosophy that wasn't in his plan to be an accountant but as life unfolded for him and he had those those early jobs and he started to piece together these are the things I really really like these are the things that um, are, are energizing me in the job mm-hmm. and gradually kind of noticed that you know good really good sense of of self-awareness of emotional intelligence things that are so important for for uh, personal development and growth and and charting your kind of path to the future. Um, he was able to recognize that if he'd said, no, my plan is this and, and being inflexible, that would have been really unhelpful. Just the same as sometimes you make a really good plan for the day and something happens mm. and the, the plan for, for whatever reason doesn't, you either can't do it or you just reevaluate and go, do you know what? You know, in light of this, I'm going to change the plan. I'm going to adjust. So whilst, yes, the headline of it, plans, you can't say plans aren't, aren't important. Um, being good at planning, perhaps is the way to say that. Being yeah. able to plan really well is helpful, but absolutely spot on in terms of you've got to be flexible. Uh, it was on a... Uh, a call this morning with some colleagues and, and one was saying, I really like these three questions whenever they set a goal. They, they ask themselves regularly, am I on track with my goal? Am I on time with my goal? And then is this still my goal? And ah, so it's yeah. it's a it's a great one to uh, to think about. And uh, again, I'm I'm you really got me going on this one, John. I think it's a, it's such an interesting subject. Uh, the the Winston Churchill famous quote, you know, never ever give up. That is, you know, people say you know you should never give up on anything. Actually, the end of that quote goes on to say, except um, in in situations of of honour or good sense, I think, or something like that. Mm. So there's there's a kind of an except. There there are sometimes when you should stop the path that you're on because it really makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, uh, well said, Joe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Just to make sure that you don't kind of uh, fly headlong into that rigidity and, and that you have some uh, agility about things. It's, it's definitely you know, a, a great point worth making, and he makes it so well. Something else that I was taken by that uh, that was part of the conversation with Joe, I don't think this is the same point as as the value in failure. We've spoken about that before. There's lots of content there about the, the value in failure. But, but he says... What 
doing things you don't like can teach you, which I think, you know, there's there's some daylight between those two ideas, those two concepts. So actually don't, there's like a double negative here, Nick, but don't see no value in disliking something. Yeah, it's it's uh, like the saying, there's no such thing as bad experience. You know, when it's about experiencing life of, of trying different things, learning different skills, being exposed to different environments, then you know, and having to to do different kinds of tasks in you know with different kinds of people, anything that you don't like, that's super helpful because you can go, no, that's not what I want to do. You know, I don't like being in an office. I I don't like you know working on my own at a computer for hours a day. I you know, and and because always the what you don't like is a flip to what you do like, and mm. you know, it's the kind of the more of less of, and and I think you know, Joe makes the point really well that. Yeah, in any job, there are some things that you just have to do. They may not be the most exciting things, but you just have to do them. But in terms of kind of broader um, awareness of what just isn't a fit for you is is helpful information because then you can make good decisions about where you go and what kind of um, opportunities that you seek out and you focus on and things that you say yes to. You know, so many people will feel sympathetic towards this view that we we can have a tendency to get near to the end of formal education and panic and we don't know precisely where we're going you know what's 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 the the plan as it were but what's not mapped out and 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 it's so great you know we give our vote of confidence on the careers podcast where joe advocates just trying stuff you know um without narrow casting this particular career this career in accountancy nick would you say it's a decent summary that if you like problem solving this is going to be great for you Yep, yeah, certainly. It's, it's a part of the accountancy profession is, you, yeah, you face uh, financial challenges and business challenges or organisational challenges. And often there's a the major finance element to that. And so the, the problem solving element, getting into something, understanding it and then being able to present it in a, in a really clear way and suggest uh, ways forward that, that can improve the situation. Joe talked a lot about... Uh, Telling the story through numbers. Mm. You started this episode by talking about kind of you know, busting the myth of, of accountancy. And I've met many accountants who've introduced themselves by saying, yeah, I know it's boring, but I'm an accountant. <laughs> and that is that kind of perception. Yeah. Um, and, and the more I've uh, met accountants and worked with some really good accountants and, and I've owned being, being one of them for sure, where you actually start to say, this is a really interesting world. Uh, it's not. It's not something that... Uh, fits my skills and that I ever wanted to go into but I've found it more and more interesting as I've been involved in business and leadership and you go actually this this stuff is super Mm. uh, helpful valuable and being able to tell the story through numbers is huge which is why um, as as is highlighted often business leaders come from an accountancy background and, and certainly I've seen that to be true so it's a real door opener for sure so that kind of might start just with i really enjoy solving problems and i'm interested in in numbers i like you know working with spreadsheets Mm. i like kind of getting into some of the detail and again what was super helpful there is joe saying just because you're like that doesn't mean you don't like going out and meeting people and so this exploration of you know perhaps as, as joe says you know not knowing exactly where he wanted to go you know when he was leaving school and even uh, the degree that he did, gradually piece the pieces together. Go, I like meeting people. I, I actually like the the spreadsheet side of it and, mm. and diving into the numbers, but they're not exclusive. So gradually putting the bits together 
and saying, you know, where does this fit in terms of what kind of job can I do? So where he came from working in the charity and eventually getting into the, the accountancy business. Um, equally, you can be an accountant in, a, in, a, in, in any kind of organization. Every organization needs people that understand the, the, the finances and the numbers and all that sort of stuff. So, so the world, the accountancy world is one I think is, is, is fascinating and really is a, a door opener if, it kind of, if your strengths and interests lean uh, that way. With you entirely on that, Nick, um, I, I thought it was a real, a real eye-opener, revelation that, you know, I think great when a, a particular job can bring those, the wider knowledge and skills to the table and, and this point that you've just reinforced so well that working in it will sharpen up your ability to start or help run a business. So, you know, so much more to this than, than meets the eye. Um, Thanks uh, hugely to Clive Owen LLP and also to Joe, obviously. Um, Nick, as far as making of a champion is concerned, what news have you got for us? Yeah, the, still you can access the, the on-demand webinars uh, to go through at your uh, leisure whenever you like. It's for free. That's on the, the website, lmi-uk.com forward slash young leaders. You'll find it there. Uh, we've also got a, a, a new open program starting uh, for the, the extended making of a champion personal development program. And that's uh, starting on the 12th of March. And that happens in the evening. So it's 7pm for an hour and a half. And that's 10 sessions, generally once a fortnight. So if that's of interest, have a look on the website and then just drop us a line on making of a champion at lmi-uk.com. We're excited about that. We're just finishing one group. It's been uh, really fantastic. So excited to get another one going. Fantastic. Thanks, uh, Nick. And obviously, this uh, episode sits uh, right up to and across National Careers Week. And nationalcareersweek.com is the website, the official website. There are various iterations of the hashtag on social media. Hashtag NCW2024 or just 24 tends to be the one. I say nationalcareersweek.com is the official website so there's up-to-date news on there a list of uh, the resources and also the careers week sponsors as well for now nick thanks for your contribution we'll see you next time great thank you john and thank you joe thank you clive owen really good episode thanks a lot the careers podcast with the information you need to take the next step